everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch at night. Uh, we're doing a special late podcast because this week has just been crazy for us. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. Uh, Ann, I know you've had a week as well, but just anything it's you can talk Friday about the that you thir- want to talk it's, about? It's Friday the 13th, and it's spooky, so we're doing a late night spooky show. Not really. It's mostly I've been out of town, so and I didn't get back in the town until way later, so we're doing a night show. That's it. That's pretty much all it is. Um, also, I've been playing probably an unhealthy amount of Legend of Zelda a Link to the Past. Thanks, Switch people, for, you know, putting that out there and making that available on the Switch because I can't get away from it now and I can't pull myself away from it. It's really good. It's just as good as it was when I was, you know, very young, very, very young. So that's the, is that a complete switch port or is it a re, is it a remake or what? It is a complete switch port. Basically, what they did was, um, and I, I think we talked about this last week. Uh, they said that they were going to come out with um, it's basically Nintendo Online, but instead of just the NES games, now they also have the Super Nintendo games. And Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past is one of the games that they're offering. They also have Super Mario World on there, and I fully expect that that one is also going to eat my soul, but I have to finish Link to the Past first. So it's not really like a graphical upgrade or anything like that. It's just, it's the Super Nintendo game on your Switch. That's it. So it's just playable like it was? There's yes. There's no changes? Either? Nope, no changes. No changes, no graphical updates or anything. Uh, the one that is getting the graphical update, that would be Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, and that comes out I want to say next Friday if I remember correctly. And that's the Link's Awakening is the one I heard the more about. Yes, that's coming straight up. So okay. Yeah, and that it's one going to be a complete redesign or just a remake or what or just a graphical update. That is basically it is the same game that came out for the Game Boy way way back when. Um, so same story, same plot progression, same puzzles and everything to solve. If you played that game. Um, it's been so long since I've played that game that I it's like I remember the plot points, but I don't remember the puzzles. So for me, it's like playing a new game all over again, but I do remember the story, and the story was amazing. So all of that stays the same, but it's a complete graphic overhaul, and they've made it into, instead of these little 8-bit pixel graphics that you found like on the Game Boy, it's like full 3D renders and everything, and it's beautiful. And I'm really looking forward to that one, too, because I think it's going to be fantastic. It was probably one of my favorite Zelda games. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Cool. All right. Uh, We should probably do some stuff. But before we do the top stories, Anne's got some stuff to talk about, which you guys kind of already know about since we had it on the site this week. But we we figured we should mention it on the podcast. So. Yeah, we had it on the site, and I also mentioned it very briefly on my Twitter. Um, so we had kind of a Patreon overhaul this week, and I know I talked in, was it the post show? I think it was the post show. We had a, we had a pretty lengthy post show yeah, a couple months back or something like that where you and I were chit-chatting, and I said, you know, I don't know why we don't do a weekly lore watch because... At the point in time that we were doing bi-weekly, it was because I didn't actually like have a lot of time to dedicate to doing two shows a week. Well, my time cleared up, but the other part of that um, and the other kind of reasoning for not doing that and the other thing that we we're kind of waiting on is that um, from a financial standpoint, the podcasts aren't exactly the most lucrative things that we do. Uh, we don't really get sponsors. Um, I know with Lore Watch anyway, we mentioned Audible, that kind of thing. But other than that, we don't really get any 
sponsors or anything like that. So a lot of what keeps the site running and helps keep the site running is Patreon. Um, what we decided to do was we decided to do a Patreon overhaul. And we put that into place, I believe Dan put that into place earlier this week and basically put out new reward tiers. So a dollar's going to get you, it's just a basic support tier. If you want to support the site, you don't care about any of the rewards or anything, it's okay. Just give us a buck a month. We're cool with that. You know, it's fine. Go ahead. Uh, we do have a new tier available though. And the new tier is called the podcast tier. That one is $3. It will give you early access to Blizzard Watch. It'll give you early access to Lore Watch, and it'll give you the D and D podcast as well. Um, if we choose to continue doing so, five dollars is of course ads free tier, which is what it has been. If you don't want to see any ads on the web website or anything like that, that's cool. Five dollars a month will go ahead and get you that. Ten dollars a month will get you the behind the scenes tier. Um, that will give you access to a new monthly behind the scenes podcast hosted by Anna. Uh, Patreon, early access posts, special Discord channel to talk to the, like, the staff and stuff like that. And then we have one other tier, basically, that's available right now. That is the uh, $25 BlizzCon all access tier. And some people cashed it on this last year and got to see everything that was going on. We actually had a special Discord channel where the staff was working during BlizzCon and our patrons that were on the BlizzCon All Access tier, they got to like peek in behind the scenes and see what exactly it is that we do to go ahead and run BlizzCon and do everything else. Um, you don't have to Obviously, if you're not interested in BlizzCon material, $25, you don't need to do that. But it's kind of a fascinating peek behind the scenes. And everybody who participated in it last year seemed to really enjoy it. Um, you also get a... Basically, you get like exclusive video from the BlizzCon floor from the people that we have out there. There's also an exclusive BlizzCon Q&A channel with the staff. So... Yeah, and, and along with the bonus with that, obviously, we've got the character write-ups, which we have been doing. Um, we also have new goal levels. 5,500, we have to hit 5,500 a month in order to do weekly lore watch. And that's specifically because if we're going to produce more, two more podcasts per month, we just need the money to pay for it. That's it. Um, we hit that, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say, like 24 hours, I think it was like maybe 24 hours after we announced all of this, you guys went ahead and got us up to the 5,500. So, hey, guess what? <laughs> lore watch is going weekly and I'm very happy about that I don't know about you but I'm kind of stoked about that um we're going to start going weekly as of September 23rd and how it's going to work um I have been kind of like mulling this over in my head I think what's going to happen is we are going to continue recording the shows on Sunday as usual um for patrons, you will be getting the early access show on Sunday, the day that we record. For people on the website, you will be getting them on Wednesdays, like the following Wednesday. So you're not waiting an additional week or whatever to get your hands on the podcast. You're getting it the same week. Um, patrons are still going to get it earlier than that. But since it's coming out on a weekly basis, well, psh, okay, we're going to give it to you weekly. And I'm really happy about that. Um the other thing, the other goal that we had is that if we hit um, 6,000, 6, yeah, 6,000 monthly, we were going to do more of the regular Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Um, we do enjoy doing those. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I have fun playing the game and stuff. But again, if it's one of those things that we want to like continue doing and putting out there for people, it's one of those things that we kind of like 
we just we 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 need to know that the interest is there for it, I guess. And uh, the getting... thing about doing the D and D game too is mm-hmm. it's not like a normal podcast. No, because with normal podcast you have two or three people you're trying to round up. For the D and D game, I think it's like we're up to six people, and we're trying to get everybody together, and then we have to get schedules cleared. And you need at least two to three hours to do at least a one a, a reasonable D and D session. It's basically it's really hurting a bu- yeah, it's just hurting a bunch of cats and making sure that everybody is available when all at the same time to do the same stuff. So it's going to take a little extra for us to do more of those, but if we hit 6k a month, we will be doing more of those than we have been, and that will also be pretty fun too. I'm not sure how close we are to that right now, but again, if you want to sign up and help support the show and everything else that we do on Blizzard Watch, you can check out all the new tiers and new goals and go ahead and put in a pledge at whatever level you want to put in there by going to Blizzard, excuse me, patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. That's where you go. Um, And now we should probably get to like the news and stuff. I just wanted to talk about that because people were interested and we had been talking about the whole weekly lore watch and kind of teasing it for a while there. Hey guys, we're rolling it out and it's here. (laughs) Thank you for your support. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for your support. So let's go ahead and get with the news here. All right. I'm going to talk about this first. Actually, the last story we have listed, I'm going to talk about first because it's relatively simple. Um, This week, I believe, Blizzard had rolled out a hot fix because there was some issue in WoW Classic with layering. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what layering is. But the realms on WoW Classic have a, have a technology called layering, which after a, if you get to a certain amount of people, a layer is created and the next group of people is put in that layer. And it's sort of like sharding, but it's on the same server. And what ends up happening is you see, I don't know what the layer cap is. This is for example purposes. Let's say the layer cap is 400 players. You have 400 players, the 401st player and every player after him goes into the next layer. And then another 400 players comes in and fills that up and then the next layer starts and that's how they keep servers from like looking ridiculous and not running very well when they have enormous amounts of people on them Uh, because if you're on one layer that layer doesn't affect other layers but one of the problems with it was people were seeing people were somehow managing to switch layers and by so doing they could farm more resources in an area kill quest mobs that were not up for their layer and so forth uh, Blizzard checked most of the reports on this, and most of the reports were not true. Uh, a lot of the stuff people were saying was happening wasn't happening. But there is, there were some people who were managing to abuse the layering system. So they hotfixed it to prevent that from happening. So for now, if you jump a layer and kill them, you know, you've been killing mods and so forth on a layer, and now there's enough people that you're going to get jumped to another layer, you won't. They'll jump other people and keep you in that layer. Uh, and there's a cooldown, and the cooldown extends. Every time you jump a layer, the cooldown gets longer. So if you jump layers the first time, you get like a five-minute cooldown before you can jump layers again. You jump layers again anyway because it's just so busy. The next layer, you now have a 10-minute cooldown and so forth. And I don't know the exact – like they didn't release exactly how long the cooldown is, just that it's there. And it will increase in duration every time you do. So after a while, there's just no way you can abuse it because you just won't, you won't be jumping layers. Uh, new layers will be getting formed and new players will be getting put into them, but you won't because your cooldown will still be going, which is, I mean, that's one way to solve it. I, I don't, the promise is that Blizzard said that Blizzard said this, most of this is not happening the way it's being reported. We looked into this and there's no people with like banks full of items and so forth. But that makes me wonder, like, first off, how are they doing it? How do you, you know, how you, how do you jump layers? Cause that wasn't explained. And secondly, like what's like, if you've got this hotfix working, then what? What if you're like stuck in a layer? Like if eventually everyone's going to have the cooldown, 
and you won't be able to move anybody any layers. So there's still problems with it in my opinion, but it, it's it's out there now. They put the hotfix in. They haven't I haven't heard any complaints about it since. So hopefully it's working for people and it's it's allowing servers to stay up and not crash because there's like fifteen thousand people on them. And at the same time, people can actually get stuff done. It's a little it's not- weird too, because when they talk about the whole layering thing, I'm like, so like phasing. But it's not like phasing because it's layering. But it sounds like phasing, but it's not. Yeah, I do sometimes find myself wondering if layering was the right word, but you know, it's what they chose. It's yeah, it's the one that they picked, and and for me, I'm like, like I said, to me, it sounds kind of like you know, phasing or something similar to phasing. The sound and feel like that. I don't know. I don't know how it differs. To be completely honest, I, I kind don't know of, how layering is different than phasing. I kind of wish I had like an engineer somewhere whose brain I could pick and ask more details about that because really it's like, I still, I mean, I've gone through all of the material where, you know, they announced the system and they talk about the system and they talked about how it works and everything. And I'm still kind of going, so like phasing, right? No? Okay. It well, certainly seems to be like phasing. I just, I need them to explain it to me like I'm five, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> maybe someday. Maybe someday they will go ahead and do that for it. Maybe they'll do it at BlizzCon. Maybe they'll have some sort of panel you, where they talk about this kind of stuff. I want you to sit down and explain this to me like I'm an orc, okay? Just, yeah. just bust it out real simple. Okay, uh, next story we should probably talk about is the return of Recruiter Friend. Uh, about two months ago, I think it was back in like June, uh, they, they took Recruiter Friend and put it on hiatus while they did some work on it. And this week, they've announced the new version of Recruiter Friend, uh, which comes with some some interesting changes and upgrades. Uh, one of the things it comes with is a backpack. Not not a backpack like a bag in your bags. Literally a physical backpack you can wear on your back, and it's visible like instead of your cloak. Uh, so that's new. That's literally something I've never seen before in this game. And uh, you can only get it right now from Recruiter Friend. So if you want to wander around with a backpack, that's how you get it. Um, there's also... There's the Explorers, I think it's the Revered Explorers uh, outfit, which is effectively like an Indiana Jones type outfit with a, a pith helmet and, you know, you look like an explorer. If you've seen the uh, the Hearthstone Saviors of Oldham type look, it's it's very similar to that, actually. Um, so you get that. There's a there's a camel mount, the Dune Trekker, I believe it's called. There's a airplane mount, which is like a, it's like a, 1930s type soft with camel looking plane. Uh, if you've seen the mummy with the plane they're flying around in when they're trying to stop the mummy, it looks like that. Um, there's also, uh, in addition to all that, which is all pretty cool. Uh, I think I'm probably forgetting something, but yeah, that's the basics. There's also a thing called party sync now, which I don't, did you hear about party sync when they first data mined it in? Yes. Party sync. Um, we thought that this was something that they were just going to introduce to everybody, but apparently this is part of the whole new recruiter friend thing. Party sync is basically, it will allow you to replay quests that you've already finished on a character and it'll temporarily adjust the level on a character to be the same as the recruited friend that you're partied with. So basically when you group up with a friend of yours, if you're 120 and they're level 10 and you go back with them to their level 10 area or whatever, you'll be able to do those level 10 quests even if you've done them before already you'll do them as a level 10 yep and unlike scaling in dungeons yeah you will also not have abilities that a level 10 wouldn't have yeah your gear will scale down to level 10 and you will not have like if your character didn't have it at level 10 you won't have it 
So you'll be a level 10 character. You won't be a level 10 character with all the abilities of a level 120, the way you are if, if you do time walking. You'll be straight up level 10. So it's an interesting way because, like Ian pointed out, it allows you to replay quests. You can even get the rewards, and the rewards actually scale up to your level. Um, if you're a level 120, you get level 120 rewards that then will go down to level 110 when you equip them, if you did. But it's an interesting way to get quest items and finish quests that, you know, you did already, but you want to go hang out with a friend and that friend is trying to do those quests. Now you don't have to worry. Well, I've already done all this, so I guess I'll just stand around and wait for you. Nope. Now you just take the quest anyway and you do it again, which I think is really, really great. Um, that's one of the worst things about trying to group with people is, you know, oh, well, you know, I want to do it, but I've already done this. So I can't really, I can't even start this quest. And so I can't really help you. So I'll just wait here till you're done, I guess. Oh, another quest you can't do. Okay, well, I guess I'll wait some more. And now that's gone. That's that's really great in my opinion. What, what do you think about it? I'm Okay, I like that whole feature and everything, but I'm kind of wondering if maybe this is like a test of something that they would roll out more extensively in the future. Um, at the well, same that's time... Actually- that's yeah. something we should talk about because the war campaign thing in Patch 8.2.5 also has some bearing on that. Okay, so well, we we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's go ahead and keep talking about the recruited friend for a second here. There have been some kind of um, mixed opinions on the new recruited friend system. Some people are okay with it. Some people are not okay with it. Um, some people are kind of annoyed about that whole backpack thing. Because yeah. it looks suspiciously like those quivers and things that they had talked about introducing way back in Warlords of Draenor. And we still haven't seen those anywhere, but we've got a backpack that you can put on, but you can only get the backpack if you have your friend play for however many months. You know what I mean? That's actually something we should talk about. It, the yeah. way it works is if you, you, you can recruit up to 10 people. Yes. And that's the limit. You have ten. You can have 10 recruited friends. Yes. If each of your recruited friends, and you have 10 of them, if all 10 buy one month, you get the rewards of having 10 of your friends having bought 10 months of game time. Yes. But if you have only one friend that you've recruited, that friend has to buy 10 months of game time. You will be waiting 10 months to get that reward because they'll yeah. have to buy These, every month. They roll out on a monthly kind of system. Um, so you get Ricky, who is a pet. You get that at one month of game time. Um, And then the other cool part that we didn't mention here is that you get rewarded for game time with every, like, I think it's like every two months or three months that it's three months. It's It's every three months months that you're, yeah, every three months that your friend is subscribed to the game, you get rewarded with game time as well. Which I think is pretty cool. Like, that's not, that's not a bad deal or anything. Um, And it's over the course of a year, right? So there's mm-hmm. 12 months worth of rewards, and I think it's like one, two, three, four. Yeah, four months of those is game time. You just get game time. But then there's like all those other rewards that are kind of mixed in in between it all. Um, Cosmetic stuff, mount mm-hmm. stuff, pet stuff, yeah. Yeah, that backpack, you don't see that backpack until 10 months in. Um, the Explorer's Attire, that really cool transmog set, you get that after a year. After they've paid for like a year. Um it's a different way to do the recruiter friend system and it's definitely way different than anything else that they have tried before. I think I like this though, because it does make things a little bit more interactive and it really encourages you to play with your friend, which wasn't necessarily like soups high priority. The the thing about the, the the new recruiter friend is I will give you uh, every criticism about having to spend 
a lot of game time to get the rewards, yeah. having to have your friends essentially. Play. That's that's valid, and it's something that can be discussed. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it's disputable that this is a much better system in terms of allowing you to play with your friends. Because not only do you get party sync, not only can you teleport to your friends at any time, but you can do any quest they're on. And that's really a big deal. It's really that very That part useful. is really cool. You don't have to make an alt to play with your friend or whatever. You can you, just you like, go play with them character. with whatever character yep. you have. And you I know, think that's really cool. That is that is a greatly improved system. But I, I, I'll totally admit that you know I feel like they could make the, the rewards. I, I get why they want to make the rewards something where people have to commit to the thing to get them for you. Because if not, you know, people just join for a month and then leave. I get it. But at the same time, you know, having the, the rewards people want the most at the upper tier, I feel like they should have spaced it out a little better. But then again, maybe they assumed people would want the mounts and the pets before they wanted the cosmetic items. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's they what they did thought. put the mounts in there. Like they put the mounts in there before they put in the whole backpack thing and the transmog set thing. So, I mean, if you just want the pet, it's one month. If you just want the camel, it's like, I think, three months. And then the, the plane, three, yeah. yeah, the plane is nine, if I remember correctly. So the plane does take a little bit longer, but that is a flying mount. So I expect that to have like a little time investment involved. No big deal. Um, yeah, and I like the whole party sync thing. I like the idea of it. I I'm not sure how how it's going to be implemented, and I'm interested in seeing how it works. Um, that's that's the main thing. Is I'm interested in seeing how it works because, like I said. This feels like it's kind of, you know, a test run for something that they could implement game-wide. And I do understand why they'd want to keep it to recruit a friend. But again, it's it's an interesting new mechanic. And usually they don't introduce interesting new mechanics unless they're going to apply them several places at once. And I know you were talking about 8.25.5. So, I mean, yeah, we, should we could jump to that if you want that. to. Yeah, let's jump to that. All right. In, in patch 8.2.5, they found out this week, uh, Wowhead Dynamined it, that there's uh, one of the things that's going to be coming up, one of the little preview things that comes up to introduce the patch, has a picture of Sylvanas and Anduin, and it says, the end of the war campaign. And so that means the, the war campaign, whatever it is, however it's going to end, it's going to end in patch 8.2.5. That, that's all we know. Like, we have no idea what that means. We don't know if it means that the Horde Alliance conflict ends in patch 8.2.5. That seems unlikely to me, but we don't know. Uh, it could mean that the war campaign ends in patch 8.2.5 and then whatever comes after it goes to patch 8.3. At this point, all we know is something is going to happen with the war campaign. It's going to wrap up for both Alliance and Horde. Sylvanas and Anduin are featured in the arch with Sylvanas up front and Anduin in the back behind her. Um, the other thing we know about patch 8.2.5 though is they also announced party sync on that launch image. Party sync is up in the corner. And it's, it doesn't seem to be related to, to uh, the recruiter friend in any way. It's just there. So it's possible that Party Sync will be something that also comes to the game as a whole, at least in some form. We don't know so how that's going to look. So it's not just a recruiter friend only feature? We don't know. Okay. Like maybe it is, and they just didn't. It's up there anyway. I don't. Okay. That's, that's not really something we can say. Because the problem is, is this is for the P, this is for a PTR. They, they're capable of changing an image at any time. Like they could put that up and then decide, oh, we're not doing it, and just change the image. That doesn't take them that long to do. Until it's actually going live, you can't count on it. And that's even the truth about the war campaign. We can't count on that until they actually do it. 
but it's in the files that it's that it's ending in in patch 8.2.5 so keep in mind it's data mined keep in mind that we don't know for sure exactly how it's going to work but it is going to be what happens there is going to be something usually what i say as far as like looking at stuff on the ptr is that treat everything on the ptr as non-canon until it hits the live servers because it's yep. not canon until it hits the live servers it's in a testing phase right now no, um, it, is, it is very unlikely yeah that they that they're not going to do it considering yeah. that they're it's and we have but we have seen like, them put things on the ptr and then have them disappear we've yeah, had them put true. things on the beta and have them disappear you know that kind of thing it has happened before so it's just it's wise not to expect everything that shows up on the ptr don't don't build up an expectation of yes that's absolutely going to be how it is in the live game because it's not that's a testing yeah. realm <laughs> it may or may also, not look like that when it hits live but yeah Keep in mind too that um, we're in, like I believe we're at fifty days to BlizzCon, right? Now. Yes, I believe it's either fifty, it's either fifty or fifty-one, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, and that means even if the if the, if the PTR you know puts the final eight point two point five test version up this week coming and gives it a week of testing and puts it live the week after, so that's like that's the third week of September. So even if they do that and they put out patch eight point two point five in September. That means there is no chance of patch 8.3 before BlizzCon. It is not going to happen. No. It won't even hit the PTR before BlizzCon because they usually take about a month off. I between. feel like they're probably going to tease whatever is in 8.3 and then maybe new expansion announcement. I don't know. That seems, that seems likely. But what we really need to keep in mind is that we're on track for this expansion to have lasted about as long as Legion did with the the last patch coming out roughly around the same time that Legion did. Not exactly, but not too bad, not too far off. Which means we're not, if they make an expansion announcement at BlizzCon, we're not going to see it before summer of next year. That is, it is extremely unlikely we will see it before summer of next year, at the earliest. And I feel like people are kind of getting weird about this. Like, oh, we'll find out about the next expansion and then we'll get it. Like, can we get it in like March? I'm like, no. No, that's no not we'll gonna... probably get it in August, September, or whatever, like we got Battle for Azeroth. Yeah, I'm very assuming. similar. But, but you know, right now, that doesn't—that's not even guaranteed. It could take longer. It could be—you know—we could—we could be in this for a year. It has happened before. I don't think they want to do that. Um, but it's worth keeping that in mind that we don't—we don't even know when we'll get 8.3 because we—we might very well not get 8.3 until say March of next year. We don't know. We have no idea when we're going to get it. That's a long time to wait, but it is feasible. It could happen because November and December are not great months to push a patch. They they can be done, but there's significant holiday reasons why it's a pain. I, I feel like 8.3 is going to give us another um, Argus style of something. Maybe. Where we've got another raid and another dungeon and a bunch of other new content that's going to keep us busy until whatever this new expansion is comes out. I feel yeah. like they kind of hammered down the whole timing thing with Legion. And when I say the whole timing thing, I mean the release of patches and content, they spaced it out well enough that it felt like we weren't in that expansion too long. I was just starting to get tired of Argus when Battle for Azeroth hit. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's a fair that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I think for me, I think I liked Argus more. Cause I was still there pretty wasn't, excited to be there. The, yeah, there wasn't like a big drag in between the two expansions, though, is what I'm saying. 
Oh yeah, like, and I, I, that, that's fair. Yeah. And but, well, just just keep in mind, right? The way things are right now, yeah, we're likely gonna, we're going to get H point two point five likely before BlizzCon. It doesn't necessarily have to be soon. It could be next month. We'll probably get it before BlizzCon. We'll get something, maybe a full announcement, maybe just a tease of what 8.3 is at BlizzCon. Because Blizz likes to do big things where they talk about their upcoming patches. So I expect them to talk about 8.3 at BlizzCon. I don't know when it will go into testing. Um, I think it's very likely that it won't hit the PTR for a while. Because, like I said, November and December, kind of rough months for testing. Uh, it's sort of sort of complicated to try to roll stuff out during the major holiday events. They usually um, wait until like January, yeah. February to do that kind of yeah. stuff. January feels like a good time for the PTR, which if 8.3 hits the PTR in January and gets a month or two, then we're looking at March for a release on 8.3. And if Mar if it goes six months from March, that's you're looking at August, September. And that's I think that's reasonable. I think that's that's along the lines of what they've been doing, and I think it's a pretty reasonable production. It's kind of what they to. it's kind of what they did with Legion again. You know, when they yeah. rolled out Argus and they rolled out like uh, the whole what do they call that raid? <laughs> no, not Tumas Argaris, because that was on the thing. I'm talking about the one that's on Argus. Oh no, yeah, all right, Antorus, my bad. Antorus, thank you, Antorus, the Burning Throne, that one. Um, they rolled that one out. Obviously, they rolled it out in sections for the recruiter friend and everything else. But the way that they did that, and the way that they unlocked it, like over like a time gated kind of thing, it worked really well. It worked really well, and I think they gave people enough time to do the ahead of the curve stuff before the pre-Battle for Azeroth stuff kicked in. Um, it just it ended up working out really well, and the timing was as close to perfect as I think that they could get it. And I feel like they're kind of trying to follow that same thing. Yeah. One more thing to mention about 8.2.5 is sure. there's been some data mining that there are two cinematics that are encrypted as part of it. One of these cinematics is six minutes long. We don't know what they are. Fun, fun, fun. We don't know if they're, like, some theories are that they are just older cinematics that we'll now get to access in-game. That has been, I've seen that that said before. I don't know if that's true. I know literally nothing because they're encrypted and no one knows what they are. But a six-minute cinematic, I think that's longer than any cinematic we've had. I don't think there's been a cinematic in Battle for Azeroth that's been six minutes long. Not in-game, uh, but I think, like, in, old soldiers and the stuff like that, those were. And it's possible those are what you're getting. I think the old soldiers is, four and, like, four and a half minutes, though. I don't think it's six. Okay. But that if it, it could be, maybe it's uh it's the Thrall one, which name I can't remember. I thought it was Safe Harbor or something. It could be the Thrall one. It could be, you know, the one where, Sar, you know, Sarfang and Anduin talk in the dungeon. Um, it could be old soldiers. We don't know. Right now we know nothing. But they're there, and they're, they've been data mined. They're encrypted. So, what are they going to be? I don't know. But it's worth knowing that they're there because it does mean that we could get something pretty significant out of the end of the war campaign. And we, you know, there's been a lot. There's a lot of stuff leading up to this patch. Here's what I find that's kind of fascinating um, okay. for me, anyway, is that people have been asking they're like so is 8.2.5 going to be like a really small patch because we really haven't heard all that much about it because everybody's been talking about classic and everything else that's going on um when they said ah these cinematic things they're encrypted that's me going ah okay so there's what you're saying is there's more story elements to 8.2.5 that we just haven't found yet for whatever reason maybe they're not there yet 
So maybe there maybe. is more to 8.2.5 than we thought there was. And with this whole announcement that this is going to be like the conclusion of the war campaign, I feel like, yeah, there's probably a lot more there that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I mean, we knew that there were like various models that were found that we haven't, we don't know much about what they're doing there. So it is certainly something to consider. I, I'm just, I'm at the point where people are like, you know, oh my God, the war is going to be over. It's like, you haven't, we can't say that. You don't know what the end of the war campaign means. It just means that that quest line is ending. You will finish that quest line. You'll probably get an achievement for it. That doesn't mean that the actual conflict between the Alliance and the Horde ends because it didn't start with the war campaign quests. Remember, the war campaign stuff happened when you hit level 120. It was a level 120 quest line. It's effectively the Suramar of this expansion. And as a result, assuming that it means that the conflict is over, I don't see that you can do that. I don't. I just don't think it works. For me, we'll for me, when you say, ah, this is the conclusion of the war campaign, I'm like, okay, well, that tells us nothing, really, because... The war campaign ending could mean several different things. And one of them is, yes, okay, the war is over. The faction war, it's going to be resolved, everything else. And one of them is the war campaign in and of itself is Antwin and Sylvanas giving us orders and doing things to carry out stuff, right? That's correct, yeah. If Sylvanas is no longer giving us orders or anything, that would also be the conclusion of that war campaign. And if she's no longer giving us orders, it could be for... God only knows how many different reasons. Yeah, or could be you know Anduin I mean? stops giving us orders. Or yeah, Anduin absolutely. stops giving us orders for God only knows how many different reasons. There there are... You can end the war campaign, that particular branch of the story, without saying, oh, that's the end of the faction war, I guess. And it, that... I mean, that's what yeah. you said, too. So, you know... Yeah, anyway. But it is, it's worth knowing that it's coming. That, yes. that is something we found out this week. Um, the other thing we talked about on the site, and I'll admit, I don't really understand because I don't play much Overwatch. But uh, we, Tyler wrote an article about the uh, roll queue. You remember they rolled out the roll queue last month, I want to say? Yes. Uh, and since then, it's made quick play and competitive play very different. Apparently, competitive play is, is more accessible now, but quick play is a little too easy now. It's it's I believe Tyler's exact words were a joke. Um, so that's... It's, we felt like we should mention it, um, but I, I don't play Overwatch, so I am not the guy for this. And and did just get home, so if you want to talk about it, go ahead, but I'm not going to try to hold you to it, because, you know, you did just get home. Um, do, do you have anything you want to say about it? It honestly, honestly, all I will say about it is that at the moment, it's really competitive. I, we weren't sure what role play was, what, what the whole, um, excuse me, what the whole role queue thing was going to do in terms of affecting the different styles of play that you could queue up for. Um, with competitive, it was often kind of, you're going to get a bunch of horrible matches and that kind of thing if you're not with a group because you're going to get stuck with people who only want to play one kind of character and they won't swap to something else. You know, you're not going to get a good balance group you're unlikely to get a good balance group. And with click, quick play, you could just, you know, bop in, bop out. It didn't really matter. It didn't affect anything, that kind of thing. But with the whole role queue in place, people are finding that competitive play as a whole is a much more enjoyable experience than it has been. Um, specifically because 
you have people that are put into roles and they're actually like playing together and working together and the role lock thing is you know it's keeping people role locked <laughs> so they're they're longer games there's more opportunity to try more opportunities to switch up heroes with the role lock you have people that are actually you know designated to do the healing or designated to do the tanking or anything like that um and they can't really like swap to something that's not going to be effective at all the most that they can do is swap off of a hero that's working to one that's not working to kind of troll the group or whatever and that even is not really coming up all that often so yeah everybody's like it's there's just a sense that it's working better um with the whole role queue system which i think was exactly what they were going for and people were kind of mm, i don't know about that but it's working out really nicely um that's what i took from that anyway um all right yeah <laughs> but we should probably at this point move on to doing at least a couple of emails uh yeah. if you guys have an email for the show um again you can either email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch so we know it's for this show or you can go to our Discord server, the Blizzard Watch Discord server, and you can find the Q and Podcast Questions channel and ask it there. Uh, again, telling us it's for the podcast or for other podcasts, so we know which show to use it on. Um, that's really that's it. Ryan's going to read them for us, so if you don't mind, Dan. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump to the second one here. Um, the second one here is from Sivus of Dethicus, who says, Greetings, Watchers. After you defeat Helia in her domain, Odin remarks his desire to visit Ulduar to catch up with family. I like to think he showed up and couldn't take the hint that they didn't really want to chat with him all that much. Pressing buttons in Mimron's room, stepping on Freya's flowers. How do you think he was welcomed? Well, if he showed up, he conquered the Pokemon gym, uh, and then he left. Because that's all he cares about, is, is making me fight other Pokemon for him. So yeah, that's what I think he did. I'm kind of curious how the other watchers would have reacted to him, though, coming back after all that time. Like, uh, well, do you I think mean, they even remember? Did Mimiron become Mimiron before or at, like, the current iteration of Mimiron? No, before they, they or after? Okay. Well, he they know who he is because um, both Thorim and uh, Frost Guy, whose name, I can't, I can't remember the Frost one's name, but Hodir. Both Thorim and Hodir become followers. Like they they will follow your warrior around and show up every so often and smash things, uh. So yeah, if you have them as your follower, they don't like bodyguard you. They just occasionally just appear and and like do a ton of AOE and then leave. But yeah, they know. Like Odin Odin sends you to uh Aldum I mean Alduar at some point and you actually save them from the attack of the Legion. So yeah, they know they know about Odin. They, they do. Uh, I I sure they do wish they, they didn't. Do but. they do they give any kind of like impression of how they feel about that whole? Forum calls him father and okay. acts very much like you know this is my dad that I'm going to you know it's been forever but I'm going to help you. Uh, Hodier doesn't say anything but he's he's there and he does stuff. Uh, you know he doesn't. There's no point where he goes and by the way Odin's a jerk uh, or I love Odin. He doesn't. There's no real commentary that I can remember that particularly tells you either way. Uh, I don't know about Mimiron. If I think it's fairly clear that Mimiron became the modern form of Mimiron after Odin threw his pitch to Sissy Fit, because that happened when Loken felt secure enough to murder him, which he wouldn't have done if Odin was there. Like if Odin was hadn't thro like run off and so done would, his do you think self, Odin would even recognize Mimiron at this point? I don't know. 
that's that's a good question. I mean, then again, you know, Odin himself has got some pretty pro- big problems. Like that yeah. beard isn't a beard; that's a scar. Yeah, that's his face leaking. You know, I mean, so I don't know. I don't know if Odin. I'm sure if he doesn't, then someone else can say, "No, no, that's Memoron. Don't hit him." Uh, which you know, but you know, at the same time, Odin also had like he has Aegir and and Heimdall at you know who are also Watchers, so they could they could like you know work as his intermediaries before he actually went there they could go first and say hey odin wants to come by and get ready clean the place up hide the beer cans Uh, i just i have a hard time not saying awful things about odin i do not like that guy (laughs) mop out the basement yeah (laughs) you still have that old god back there could you chain it up again it's been chained up again right yeah please just you know there's a lot of goo down there just take a hose wash it out something please thank you but yeah in terms of like turn it back into a dwarf (laughs) it it would have been nice to see him go there actually i would like to have actually gotten to see it um you don't ever see it either the closest you get is when you go there in his name uh but he doesn't actually himself go there in anything i know of i've often wondered because odin goes to helia's realm and then you know like he he spouts off about going to to alduar I find myself wondering if, in fact, Helia jumped into Odin via that eye he sacrificed to gain sight into the realm of the dead, and she rode him to get to Alduar, and then jumped out of him in Alduar and went somewhere else. But that's just me, you know, thinking of something more interesting than Odin, who I don't like. <laughs> I hope that answers your question, Sivus, or at least, you know, we gave you a little bit to go on, and uh, we got time for I think like one more, so we're gonna go ahead and address this first one because why not uh this is from epoxy who's a human warlock on earthen ring who says blues watch podcast i'm running a night elf hunter in classic wow i would like for you to comment regarding the significance of some quest text the quest is titled the fall of Amethoran, which takes place in darkshore during the quest you examine two tablets it's important that you are a night elf in order to read the text on the two tablets i saw a youtube video of the quest done by a gnome and the text was not legible for the gnome this is the following portion i hope you'll comment on long had the children of the stars dwelled upon the banks of the shimmering waters of the eternal well a loon light of the eternal twilight aspect and goddess of the moon dwelt within its waters at such that she rested from her works at first glance it sounds as if a loon was using the well to recharge from time to time also i'm not familiar with the term children of the stars and its significance to the night elves your thoughts about the quest text on the tablets epoxy human warlock earthen ring i mean the first the second part's easy uh children of the stars is what the night elves are named calderai means children of the stars in Darnassian, uh, like, which is weird that they it's so weird that they call it Darnassian because Darnassus wasn't a thing until Teldrassil. Yeah, maybe they call it Darnassian because it was always called Darnassian and they named Darnassus after it. I don't know. Oh, hey, uh, but yeah. Good point. Cal, the, the, word, the word Calderai, the Cal in Calderai means star in much the way that it literally means star child. They're calling themselves star children, uh, children of the stars. In, in much the same way that Kalimdor is the land of eternal starshine. That's what the word Kalimdor means. It means it's also a night elf word. Uh, and it was called that. I, I don't know why it was called that. I don't know if like for extended periods of time, Kalimdor didn't have a daylight. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know, but I know that that's what it was called. And I know that or that's it's what just it because, you know, they were night elves. That's what they were. Maybe. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't go out during the day, so they didn't see it. Yeah. Um, eh, sun's there, but I'm not going to waste my time it with that. It sounds real pretty. I don't know. But it's sort of the same reason why um, Sindori, 
uh, or Sidore means um, children of blood. Yep, children of the blood. And then uh, Keldore is, I think it's like children from on high or something like that. I don't remember. Children of noble birth. Children of noble birth. Okay. Dorai means like children of. So you know, the Keldorai is children of the stars. Um, Quelderai is children of noble birth because Quell means high. So you're saying so highborn, high noble birth, highborn yeah. for short. Literally, yeah. you're saying highborn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in much the same way that night, the nightborn are the Shaldorai because Shal is the word for night. Um, so it's it's interesting that we call them the night elves when they're really the star elves. But that's you know, it, it, stars are out at night, so you get how we got there. Uh, but Shal is the is the actual original you know elf word for night. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's in fact possible that the word shall doesn't mean anything in Darnassian, because the the the, the highborn, I mean the nightborn, have been under a dome for ten thousand years. They may have preserved an archaic version of the language that had separate words for nighttime and starlight. Maybe maybe modern night elf language doesn't have or doesn't use. Although you will point out that the swords that Varian used, one of them was named Shalator. Yeah. And that meant shadow blade, I believe. Um, so, yeah, there's, but night, you know, night in, in nightborn for the nightborn elven language. I don't know what's called. Is, do you remember what's, is it called um, Shalassian? Is that what it's called? I don't know what the, the nightborn version of elven is called. I know it's Thalassian for the, for the blood, the blood elves. It's and the high Thalassian, elves. Darnassian. I'm not sure what it's called for the nightborn. Yeah, I don't know. It either. might be Shalassian. Actually, yeah, I don't know. I need to double check on that because I think I want to say that the Nightborn can understand both, but they probably could because I mean they're ultimately speaking just old versions of uh. Then again, Dalassian and Darnassian should still work together. I mean, for God's sakes, they still use a lot of the same words. Yeah, like, they don't work because of game. It's game mechanics. Well, you I know that when I'm, you're I'm... when you're a void elf, you're still speaking like you could still understand blood elves because you're still a blood elf. You're just a void elf. You know what I mean? Yeah, you they don't. They don't have their own. No, they don't, they don't have, have their void own language. No, they don't have their own like branch of language or anything like that. And if you are speaking in like your own native language, you're speaking in Thalassian. So you can technically you can kind of get over the whole faction divide and talk to people on the other side of the faction fa- fence that if way. If they're blood elves, yeah, if they're blood elves, um, with the Nightborn, I don't think I've ever actually looked into it. Actually, I don't think I've looked into speaking in the night elf language and what language that happens to be. I'm going to have to look into that now because I'm kind of curious. I have like a 120 nightborn. I just, I, I haven't messed with it. Huh. Anyway, uh, as far as the other portion of it, the whole loon light of eternal twilight aspect and goddess of the moon dwelt within its waters at such that she rested from her works. I think that's just kind of reference referencing in flowery language. The fact that, okay, the well, the eternal well, that's the well of eternity. And I don't know if you've seen any of the concept art for the well of eternity, but it was absolutely gigantic. It was huge. It was massive. It was sort of like having an ocean smack in the middle of a continent a little bit. You couldn't like see the other side. If you were standing on one side, you couldn't see the other side. It was just a really, 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 really big body of water. Um, That said... I'm wondering if this is just flowery language that referenced the fact that when the moon sets, it looks like it sets in the water. When the sun rises, it looks like the sun rises over the water. And maybe that's just it. I don't know. Do you have any? It, it is Shalassian, by the way. I looked it up. Is it? Okay. 
Shalassian, and it, it is very close to Dynassian. Looking at it right now, it's pretty similar. Uh, for instance, yeah. Quelvala, Quelvala Thonos means nobility through through tradition, and Quel is the the both the high elf and the Darnassian word for high. So yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, but honestly, yeah, I expected of... to be Darnassian only with a little bit of a lingual shift because they've branched yeah, out they've... in different directions. So that would make sense, and it, it is pretty close. Yeah. Uh, but to give you um to to to, to go along with what you were just saying, I. I think it's possible that it's just straight up a myth for where the moon goes during the day. Yeah. Because it I mean, looks like it goes the... in the water. You know what I mean? Yeah. It yeah. sets. The moon sets. The sun rises. Um, keep in mind that the Torin thought that the sun and moon were the eyes of the Earth Mother. And they they thought they, they, they thought the moon was important. I mean, that's Musha. But they also thought the sun, Anshe, was important. That the two, like, she would open one eye during the night and she'd open the other eye during the day. Uh, the night elves, since they focused so totally on the night, didn't really care. To the point where, when they rebelled, the highborn like, were led by Dathomar Sunstrider, whose name literally was He Who Walks by Day. And the elves all thought he was weird. Like, why does he go out during the day? Why does he want to look at the sun? What's wrong with him? So it's possible that they just because thought, he's well, edgy and cool and he's yeah. death or mo- anyway. <laughs> Literally, yeah, he'd be, he'd be the night elf equivalent of a go- of a goth because they're all they're all nocturnal. So he's like the moody rebel who goes out when they don't. You know, that's that's literally what he is. But I was going in out tr- in the daytime before it was cool. Cool, yeah. <laughs> Wearing SPF fifty and like smoking clothes. But anyway, um. It's just interesting to think about the possibility that it's more literal, like a loon, because we don't know what a loon is. We we know that a loon is something. We know there's possibly some connection to the Naru. There's possibly some connection to the Titans, but we don't know what it is. And we know that the Well of Eternity is literal. The Well of Eternity was literally a giant gaping wound in the world that led to the World Soul, and the World Soul's you know as its essence was leaking up through it. And the Titans created this. They had the Titan Forge create this network around it to slowly close it over uh they were trying to heal the world by containing the power of the of the well and channeling it back into the planet so that it it would not die and so when we blew it up that that was bad that was really bad that we did that um but in terms of what a loon is we don't know so we don't know it's possible a loon actually does go into and out of the well or did back when it was there it's possible that they it was just their theory because as ann pointed out the well was enormous. And if you were standing on one side of it, watching the moon go down into it, the moon is actually not actually going into the water, but that's what it looks like. So yeah, we don't know, but it's an interesting thing to think about, especially since the temple of the loon, which was built in Suramar, the original first temple of the loon, the one that was actually a Titan construct. When you go in there, you, if you, if you go to the tomb of Sargeras and you go in, you see those chambers, you see the original art. It's all these like night elves doing like whack stuff. Like these these stained glass pictures of night, like four night elves holding four what look to be the the various uh, pillars of creation um, and using them and it kind of calls a lot of things into question like if this was built by the Titan Forge before the night elves came to exist why are there night elves in the paintings I mean in the in the uh, stained glass windows why do the four night elves have the pillars of creation what are they doing with them why is there a chamber here to use the pillars of creation what was the the tomb the, the you know the, the temple of Alun for? But we don't know. So, and I I think the other thing to at least mention here too is that you're talking about quests that were implemented with classic. So this is before 
they'd really kind of solidified anything that was going on with Elune. Um, keep in mind the stuff that we have learned over the years about Elune, like the stuff that we learned in Legion, the stuff that connected her to, to the Naru and that kind of thing, that didn't exist when these quests were originally written back in Classic. Because yeah, the, the Naru didn't. Nobody the Naru didn't exist back in Classic. And you can like look at it as going, oh, this is foreshadowing for something that happens down... No, that's not it at all. Um, because they don't... You don't write forward in a game like that. You write and leave yourself holes where you can connect back to something if you need to. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, you, you, you deliberately leave yourself room to go. To but you kind of weave yeah, things you don't, in back there, but you yeah. aren't writing things back there to weave things forward. You're just leaving space where you can put something in later if you need to. And sometimes it's, they don't even, it's not even them trying to leave that space. It's yeah. just that the space is left. Yeah. Like, for instance, there's like, a lot oh, of stuff. Like, oh, this is a happy involved. coincidence. We could put something in here that would totally work, you know. That's the, you see a lot of that with, um, like, for instance, I'm going to just say it. They had no idea what they were doing with the Rugal, and they had no, no idea what they were doing with uh with with Shadowfang Keep. No, and it went all sorts of weird places that they did not at the time intend. That's just flat out the case. They never they had no idea if they were ever going to bring Gilneas in, and they didn't know how they were going to bring Gilneas in. They knew Gilneas was there, but they weren't dealing with it then because they had other stuff to deal with. They stuck it behind a wall because the wall was very interesting. And because that was kind of what had happened in the novel, and we didn't really have to think about it. It was just, here's a wall. The wall in and of itself is a fascinating thing. You know, mm -hmm. that's it. Yep. There was and, even a quest that took you up to the wall, and there were, like, refugees trying to get in, and they, they were not Nothing was not happening open. there. Yeah, nothing was happening there. So, yeah, I think that kind of wraps this up. I, I mean... The other emails that we have are kind of lengthy, so I think probably we yeah. should just go ahead and wrap things up here. Yeah? That makes sense. We're okay. All right. So Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. And Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And again, I'd like to go ahead and thank the people who have pledge to the point where we are getting a weekly lore watch and if you guys do want to go ahead and pledge your support as well you can check out the new tiers check out the new rewards and go ahead and pledge if you want to by going to patreon.com slash blizzard watch and we appreciate it even if you don't we appreciate the fact that you're here listening and you're also here reading the site so take it away rossi thank you man uh and again guys if you have an email for the show do think about sending it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast to blizzard watch or heading over to our discord channel and uh, leaving it in the podcast and queue questions. And occasionally I will just jump into a channel and talk to people for a few minutes. Cause I did that last night and that was very confusing for those people. So you never know. It might happen. Probably won't, but it might. Uh, anyway, this has been the blizzard watch podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here and we'll be here next week. 